Hi, this is Mary Ellen Swartz. I'm an ordained unity minister, and um, we've been sharing some messages recently uh, on our podcast. Uh, today, I want to share about the parable of the widow and the judge, and this is found in the 18th chapter of Luke. Now, uh, just a little reminder that a parable is a short but yet timeless story. It's multifaceted, has many levels of meaning. And each parable seems to challenge us or or provoke um, us to find another level of meaning. I tell myself that there are at least 144 different levels of meanings. I don't know if there are, but for me, it just reminds me that there's always more than what I have found up to any point. Someone said, the best teachers are those who show you where to look, but don't tell you what to see. And to me, that sums up what Jesus did. Through parables, he pointed us where to look, and then we learn to see or to find meaning within these stories. If we don't realize there are levels of meanings in Jesus' parables, I just think we miss so much. Many of Jesus' parables begin with, the kingdom of heaven is like. To me, that was the main teaching that Jesus had. It's about the kingdom within. And so he told stories about planting, about harvesting, about fishing, about making bread, about finding lost things, whether it was sheep or coins or treasures or, or, or a child. And, and it also the, the parable about the wedding celebration and feast, so many of these stories contain something important uh, as to finding the kingdom within us. Now, today's parable, although it is less familiar uh, than some of the others, nevertheless, I believe, carries a very powerful message. The story is only found in Luke, by the way. And it's the story of the unjust judge and widow. Sometimes uh, the widow is referred to as the persistent widow or the importunate widow, meaning that she... Uh, was forceful and, and annoying and, and demanding, you might say, troublesome even. So, the setting for this story. In the Palestine of Jesus' day, a widow's life would have been extremely difficult. With the death of her husband, a woman lost many of her personal rights, and she had little or no money or, or property, and probably would have had few legal rights. And justice? Well, we don't know about justice um, on, the, on a village level, but this parable sort of indicates that it was in the hands of a single judge. Maybe someone who traveled to different villages, maybe was more inclined to hear the cases of people who could pay up front so that their case would be heard. Um, 
you know, we, we would use the term bribe for that, but they might have had another uh, take on that. But anyway, according to the story, the widow was so persistent that finally the judge, who was described as an unjust uh, and a, 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 a person who cared nothing for God or man uh, or, or anything, and that judge finally agreed to grant her the justice she deserved. And it says let the, that the judge said, lest she weary me. That's what how scripture puts it. The Greek text says, lest she come at last and beat me, give me a black eye, either physically or maybe his reputation. Anyway, it seems like he had kind of a healthy respect for her wrath. So, this parable might give the impression that the unjust judge would symbolize God and that the widow would be like any one of us. Unfortunately, the takeaway from this superficial approach is, um, is that somehow Jesus was saying being persistent in prayer is about nagging and harassing God until finally we get a yes. For me, there are flaws in an interpretation such as this, not the least of which is that the majority of Jesus' teachings refer to God as love and truth and spirit, loving Father, whose good pleasure it is to give us the kingdom, who never wills that any should suffer, and who answers even before we call. I don't remember hearing any uh, interpretations of this parable in the traditional church when in, when I was growing up, except that just that being persistent is, in prayer is what was required. So when I began to learn how to look at the parables from the metaphysical or from some of the deeper levels of uh, view and interpretation, that's when I really began to get some meaning. So I would say Jesus had something more in mind than about just nagging God till we finally got an answer. To me, every parable or story that Jesus told illustrates some aspect of connecting with or finding the kingdom within. So, with that in mind, I, I'm going to suggest the following. So, think about the widow. Who or what would this uh, part, this person represent uh, within our thinking and feeling, within our consciousness, regardless of whether we're a man or a woman. Metaphysically, the thinking part of us is symbolized by a male character, and the feeling part of us is symbolized by a female character. So 
with those two things in mind, we could maybe see that the feminine character in this story is the widow. And she symbolizes the feeling of being cut off or widowed from the source of her good. Or in our case, feeling like we are cut off or widowed from our source. And that state of feeling cut off from our source isn't a permanent state. Uh, it can be changed through prayer. And as the parable indicates, um, if we keep working with it, but it does take persistence. And so that's what this story seems to indicate, that there's some persistence that's important. Um, you know, it's, it's like any habit. We don't just decide one day that we're going to change a habit and then it's going to change. No. We're going to want to keep practicing that new thought and feeling pattern. I just think a good example of that is if you've ever changed the location of something like um, uh, a, a kit, what you have in your kitchen drawer. Let's say you had your your utensils in one drawer and you decided that it would be actually logical if they were in this other place. And so you move it. But just moving it didn't change your habit. You keep going back to the old. You have to go back and back and back. And, and you have to retrain yourself to go to that new location. And it can be done. So, so that's the feminine part. Now, who or what is the judge? Actually, it, our beliefs are the judge. It's not a person. Uh, any more than the widow is a person. You know, it just represents something in us. And the judge represents something in us, too. So, <clears throat> our beliefs and our attitudes are formed by thought. The thoughts that we habitually think and practice actually become our beliefs. That's, that's how a belief is formed. We keep, it's a thought that we practice, that we... Uh, uh, chronically think and it it expresses then as our beliefs and expresses as our attitude and so maybe you've heard it said change your thoughts change your life and what that really is saying is when we deliberately practice different thoughts we can change our beliefs and our attitudes and then of course will change our perception of life. So belief and attitude is the result of thought habits. And this becomes a type of judge in our consciousness. That judge is our system of belief that has been built up. And it's something we could have built up easily because of the thoughts of people around us the culture that we grew up in, the tradition, whatever. But until we realize that that particular belief or thought isn't serving us, then that will be, uh, as it were, the judge for, for whatever it is that we run uh, by it. The, run, uh, the response will be there be 
um, yes, you deserve that, or no, you don't deserve that. And so that's why changing a belief about what we deserve uh, is so important. And we do it with practicing different thoughts, practicing different thoughts. In the ninth chapter of Mark, Jesus said, if you can believe, then all things are possible. If you can believe, then all things are possible. Well, you see, that's a statement of how law works. In other words, life is always in balance. What we believe we deserve is always in balance with what we receive. So what we believe we deserve is always in balance with what we are receiving. So we can only have what we believe we are entitled to. We could say God always says yes, but our consciousness has to be in balance or in alignment with that yes or that grand affirmative um, action, as it were, of our source. Now, <clears throat> in the story, Jesus indicated the widow kept coming to the judge. She was persistent. She didn't come just once and then give up. She didn't go back to that drawer where she used to keep things and then say, oh, well, I guess this is not going to work. Um, she kept at it. And when she wasn't welcomed, she persisted. She persisted so that she was willing to state her case. And so persistence is what it takes to change our beliefs and our attitudes. There's no quick fix. You can't just slap an affirmation on something and think that's the end of it. It's, it's not. It takes persistence. That's why often um, I suggest, and something I do my own self, is I don't use an affirmation just once, but I will use it like several days in a row. Um, I may vary the words just a little bit, but it'll be a similar kind of thought so that I'm ingraining that. I'm practicing that thought. I'm building up a belief. I'm building up an attitude. And I know that what I receive will always be in balance with what I believe and with my attitude. So we come back again and again to the judge in our consciousness. The judge, as we say, uh, would be those built-up beliefs about what, we're, what we deserve and, and what we are worthy of. And so we come back again and again um, to, to be supportive of this new idea, that a new way of seeing ourselves. We sometimes say changing our consciousness is simple but not always easy. And what that means is it takes practice. It takes persistence. Neville Goddard, an early New Thought writer, put it this way, knowing your desire, point yourself directly in front of it by thinking from its fulfillment. In other words, he's saying, 
think from the end, not from the beginning. Think from its fulfillment. And he says, silence all thought and allow the doors of your mind to open. Then enter your desire. Stay with your imagination as your companion. In other words, this is what I hear him saying. We're to begin with the assumption that what we want is already ours. It's already been given. We are to think from the end. We are to think from the realization and practice the feeling that it's already been given. That we already have it, as it were, in our um, spiritual bank account. Spiritual, uh, a persistent prayer isn't about, oh God, give me this that I don't have. Instead, it's persistently and consistently practicing the thought and feeling of being one with the answer. Practicing the thought and feeling that what we desire is already ours. Now, what kind of thoughts would we think if we knew that what we seek has already been given? What kind of words would be coming out of our mouth? What kind of attitude would we have toward our day, toward our life? You see, persistence in prayer is more about practicing the feeling of having what we seek rather than practicing the feeling that we don't have it. And Neville taught that the technique of prayer is about mastering our inner motion or direction of thoughts and feelings. You ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. This is from James, fourth chapter, third verse. You ask and don't receive because you ask amiss. Let's think of that another way. If we aren't getting what we are asking for, it's because there is something about our asking that is wonky. Something about that is not in alignment with our answer. And what is amiss is usually the belief behind our asking that's out of balance with what we're seeking. I said this earlier, life requires balance. No, we're working with principle, we're working with law. And so life requires balance. And this means whatever we believe we deserve or are worthy of is always in balance with what we receive. It's always in balance. So don't equate God as a kind of slot machine that dispenses answers to persistent prayer. Don't equate God with the judge that might or might not say yes to your good. But do equate God with the great affirmative flow of life that's always yesing, always yesing love, always yesing peace, always yesing abundance, always yesing joy. Remember, what we receive is filtered through the judge of our beliefs. And so...
And when we have beliefs that are in our that are in alignment, that's what we are saying yes to. You know, we change beliefs by changing our practice thoughts or the thoughts that we habitually think and which then connect with how we feel. So here's a good question to ask at any moment during one's day. What am I thinking? What have I been thinking over these last few moments? What am I thinking with regard to, well, politicians? What am I thinking in regard to government? What am I thinking in regard to justice and fairness? Uh, what am I thinking about someone who is ill? What am I thinking about someone who seems to be on the wrong track? You see, the thought that we practice is what really comes forth in our life. So if we aren't aware of what we're thinking, then there's no way we can change our beliefs. And if we don't change our beliefs, it's like the same unjust judge that gets the final say about any new goal or any plan or any opportunity that comes before us. So I'm going to encourage you to just throughout the day, just stop and think or ask, what am I thinking? And is this what I want to keep thinking? Is this going to build the kind of belief and the kind of attitude that's going to have me in balance with what I really deserve and what I desire, the good that I desire. So we are both the widow and the judge. And the way to change those practiced beliefs is to practice some different beliefs, practice some different thoughts, some different attitudes. And I know it sounds like a cliche. It sounds like a platitude. But really, there is no other way. No one else is going to change our thoughts. No one else is going to change our attitude. It's us. It's up to us. And we can stop praying amiss. We can stop uh, being out of balance with what we desire and what we feel we are worthy of. That's something that we actually can have some input into. So, some new thoughts perhaps, or some reminders. And just know that, you know, just if someone else doesn't live up to your expectations, do your best to find a way to hold to the attitude that you know is best for you and in bringing forth the good that you both deserve and are worthy of. God bless you. God bless your day, your week. And if you're inclined, we have a way that you can support uh, what we are doing here. And you'll see that on this um, on this page. And um, so it's a, a gift of any size is, of course, appreciated by us. Thank you so much. Blessings. Bye-bye.